Hi, everybody. Welcome to Radio 815, episode 48 of the podcast dedicated to J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. We are currently doing a rewatch of Lost Season 3. Today, we are talking about episodes 8, 9, and 10. Season 3, one of the crazy runs going on right here. These three episodes vary so wildly in quality. Marcelo, the first episode up is Flashes Before Your Eyes, a Desmond episode that finally starts to add more intrigue to Desmond Hume, lets us know what is going on, and features some big ideas that will carry over for the rest of the series. What did you think of Flashes Before Your Eyes? First off, this episode took my heart out and set my heart on fire. This episode really confirms my theory of what that magnetic magnet does uh, uh, at the center of the hatch. I mean, basically, I think Desmond went back in time in his own timeline, and it was really fun to see him try and convince everyone around him that he was a time traveler of sorts and how he ran into Charlie and and how he tried to change things with Penny but wasn't able to was just really, really heartbreaking. When Desmond goes to the, uh, goes to the jewelry shop and tries to buy a ring for Penny, but this old woman, whoever the hell she is, tells Desmond he has to break up with Penny because if he doesn't break up with Penny, everyone is going to die. This is that kind of time travel story. No, no matter what you try to change, if you go back in time, theoretically, the universe will find a way to self-correct itself. The stinger at the end of this episode is particularly fascinating because a couple episodes ago, we got our first inclinations that Desmond had some some time travel capabilities when he was you know when he uh when when he uh, uh placed that 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 uh, golf club to to stop a lightning storm or when he told Charlie to move over here because something was going to hit him and what he says to Charlie at the end of this episode he goes i've i wasn't i wasn't doing that to save myself i was doing that to save you right because you're going to die. And no matter what I do, it's, it's, it's going to happen. So just based on that, I found this episode heartbreaking and endlessly watchable. 100%. And that last line of the episode is an iconic line. You're going to die, Charlie. I just love it. It's uh, such a great way to end the episode. That's like, a oh, shit. But I, I love, this is one of my favorite episodes of this season so far, for sure. Because having pick up where Desmond turns the key and says, you know, I love you, Penny. And then he goes back. And at first we think he's covered in blood. And then we realize he's covered in paint. And as we're catching up with Desmond catching up, where he's, he's realizing like he's lived this before. He has somehow traveled back in time consciousness wise and all the questions that brings up as he has his meeting with Widmore we see more of his relationship with Penny he runs into 
Charlie busking, singing Wonderwall out on the sidewalk. So all this stuff really is cool and adds like a lot of questions like what the hell happened? How is Desmond reliving these days? But that pawn shop moment is the real what the fuck of this episode because when that old lady says you don't buy the ring, you don't propose, you know, if you don't do these things, Desmond David Humes, every single one of us is dead. It's like, okay, so this is not some sort of like weird hallucination. Like he is consciously back in time and there are other people like timekeepers, like the TVA from Loki who are trying to make sure that the timeline stays intact and doesn't deviate, which then gets us starting to wonder, is this somehow related to the Island? Is this related to Dharma? What the hell is going on, but in the best way. So all of the stuff that they present in that episode endears us more to Desmond makes us like Penny and adds so much what the hell is going on with time travel and fate and all of these questions that lost always likes to play with, but like times 10. So I love that. And the on Island stuff in the current timeline with Desmond getting drunk with Charlie and Hurley, um, you know, is amusing, but it's all leading up to that big jaw dropping ending of you're going to die, Charlie, which is just one of the best lost endings of this season for sure. Cause it sets so much drama on the table that's going to play out. And we aren't sure how that's going to go. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this episode was written by Damon and Drew Goddard. I wasn't like, there are a couple episodes of Lost that actually have won WGA awards. Was this one of them? Because I was like, this episode was so good that it deserves some, you know, some sort of a award. I'm not sure, but I, like I said, it's one of my favorites, so I wouldn't be surprised because it is fantastic. I found it really interesting in this episode that Charlie sort of feeling inadequate, um, to some extent, because when Desmond, you know, rushes off into the ocean to save Claire and they bring Claire up on the beach, Desmond is being Superman and, uh, to Desmond Superman, you know, Charlie is basically, uh, Jimmy Olsen. Why do you think the writers continuously choose to treat Charlie like something lesser than the rest of the characters? You know, I'm not sure if it's the writers treating him that way or just putting him in situations where because of his own insecurities, he can feel that way. Because in those moments, nobody could have known Claire was drowning. So it it is something that only Desmond, with his knowledge that we're still getting up to speed on, could have gotten out there and did it. And it's weird that they do keep putting Charlie in this because it makes him a little bit unlikable. Like when Desmond is pulling Claire out and Charlie is like acting almost like a jealous kid. Like, let me save the day. Let me give the mouth to mouth. And you're like, dude, just back off and let this guy save Claire before something horrible happens. So I don't know why the writers like to do that, but I also feel like they want us to like Charlie, but they have always kept him at a bit of a distance. And I think that that is especially in this season, 
knowing where they're going. I think they're doing it partly on purpose where like we, we do like Charlie, but they still give us enough that, you know, we, we won't be that upset if he were to go. I don't know. I feel, I feel like they're laying groundwork still with his character in that weird. Sometimes he's just overly jealous and, and weird when other people are doing perfectly normal things for Claire. The last thing that I'll say on on Charlie being a dick or the writers writing Charlie like a dick, when Desmond, you know, you know, tries to, you know, walk away from that drunken campfire that Charlie and Hurley set up for him, Charlie calling Desmond a coward is really, really over the line. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you and I know what Desmond has gone through, but Charlie just think just thinks he's crazy. So I didn't I didn't really understand why Charlie couldn't go that extra mile considering that they're on an island where crazy shit happens. Right. That is one of those weird things that Hurley says to him like I think the dude can see the future and Charlie just can't buy it. And with everything that they have seen and everything that's gone on on this island it doesn't feel like that much of a leap that he would be able to, to go for that. So those moments where they're getting him drunk and Charlie is being kind of a jerk really feel a little bit forced. It's the only part of this episode. I don't love my least favorite part of this episode is a part that I just mentioned where Charlie calls Desmond a, a coward for not wanting to tell him what is going on in his head. From You're Gonna Die, Charlie, and one of the best episodes of season three, we go to a stranger in a strange land, which is notorious on the internet for being one of the most poorly received episodes of Lost that often gets called out by fans as stretching plots very thin, forcing flashbacks that nobody asked for. And often gets tweeted about and commented about by Damon and Carlton as being a lesser than episode. It is a Jack flashback episode that explains his tattoos, sends him to a beach in Phuket and teams him up with Bai Ling. Uh, Marcelo, how do you feel about Stranger in a Strange Land? I particularly liked it for kind of one no actually kind of two things one i i i couldn't believe what sawyer was singing when they, when they were making their way back to their island i was like if matt doesn't bring this up on the show i'm going to find a new co-host <laughs> <laughs> but i think now hearing you say that when this episode aired back in the day it makes a lot more sense i mean because like, I didn't really understand why the island has an HR department. Right. I was like, what the hell is this all about? I understood the others wanting to hold Juliet responsible for what she did. To have a particular character that we've never met before show up out of the blue and basically be like the traffic cop on the island while Ben is incapacitated, really, really crappy. I didn't like the flashback story uh, with Jack in 
in China or where, or wherever he was. Like, I just found that to be like unnecessary. Yeah, super unnecessary. And just the whole flashbacks are the part that really strains this episode because it's not as interesting as I feel like they thought it would be. And some of the acting going on, not from Fox, but like all the supporting people are just not as good. (laughs) It's just feels off and a little bit clumsy. Like there's a big section where Jack is going to fly a kite on a beach. And it's like, why is this grown man trying to fly a kite on a beach? Like, I just don't, it is stuff that people just don't do, but, uh, and you mentioned it and I was going to mention it. There are actually two, um, what I feel are like Spielberg shout outs in this episode. Uh, obviously, Sawyer, as they're in the boat, starts singing, show me the way to go home, which is famously sung in Jaws, my favorite movie of all time. Uh, and so I love, I love that. That was amazing. And in the flashbacks, there's that little kid who keeps calling him Dr. Jack, Dr. Jack. And I was like, this is just like short round in Temple of Doom, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones. Uh, so I thought, you know, there's a couple of Spielberg nods in an episode that I absolutely didn't care about for the most part. The on Island stuff is more interesting, except yeah. Like you mentioned the whole Juliet is on trial and Jack has to negotiate to make sure she doesn't get killed. Um, just feels like a real reach. Like I just don't love it. and you know, there's a jury and a verdict coming down and you're like, what the hell? I, I feel like the way that we've seen the others operate, the fact that they would hold a meeting and vote because of her actions just doesn't seem like something they would do from what we know about them. So it just, a whole lot of this episode feels off. There are moments here and there that make it still worthwhile in terms of the overall mythology but their individual scenes are just not working at all. The other thing that really irked me and I didn't understand why it, why it was there for some reason, the writers thought that it would be a good idea to keep hampering on the Sawyer and Kate relationship. And just, it didn't, those characters are wonderful together. They have great chemistry, but they don't, particularly work together as a couple because like I said last week we know that Kate loves Jack right and if you didn't and if you didn't understand that from the last episode that we covered last week you're you're a bit rough so I didn't understand why the writers spent so much time trying to drive a wedge between Sawyer and Kate we are not even going to have these characters end up together. I guess they just needed something to write while they were walking through the jungle with, uh, with um, Alex's boyfriend. <laughs> right. And I think you're right. Like they it just feels like a filler where, you know, they, they kind of know that this couple is not going to work out, but they have to find the way to get there. So it, it's, it's odd. And I, I do think that, you know, 
it's strange that we're driving the wedge immediately. And when Sawyer lets Carl go, Kate gets pissed off. And, you know, Sawyer calls her out saying she feels guilty for screwing Sawyer. And so it's just, yeah, a lot of this episode feels off and unnecessary. At the end of the dumb trial, and they and they basically sort of, sort of excommunicated Juliet by marking her. At the end of this episode, Jack and Juliet are on a boat, and I'm and I'm curious, Matt, when you were watching this back in the day, you didn't actually think that Jack was going to get off the island, did you? No, I don't think I did. I think I just figured like they were hanging out, but there was no escape. Sort of at this point. I don't I can't remember exactly where my head was at, but I don't think I thought that. How about you? Look, look, back in the day, to be honest, I kinda erased this episode from my memory. Wisely so. To me, so many things about it didn't work, but we do have those those hallmark moments like the Jaws dinner scene, and I promise I won't sing it. <laughs> uh because I wanted to. <laughs> but I won't. And the uh, and the Indiana Jones reference, I, I almost thought that Ben just wanted to tell Jack and Juliet that he was going to allow them to leave the island, but the boat was going to take them to their island, if that makes any sense. Right. You know, A Stranger in a Strange Land is just a strange episode, and it's so weird that it comes sandwiched between... That Desmond episode, which is amazing. And the next episode we're going to talk about, Trisha Tanaka is dead. A Hurley flashback episode. And if you've been listening to the pod, you know that I love a good Hurley flashback episode. And this one, again, is another great one. And we get more layers of Hurley. And we get a lot of Hurley and his father, played by Cheech Marin, who I love. And seeing this relationship in the past where Hurley's father has not been by his side, but comes out of the woodwork once Hurley wins the lottery. And at first we start to think like, okay, the dad's just there for the money. But as the episode goes on, we find out that Hurley's dad actually does have regrets for not being there and not doing the right thing and wants to make amends. And he even tells Hurley, Give all the money away. Like, I don't care if this money is cursed. And he even goes so far as to pay a psychic to lie to Hurley to try and get him over this curse because he's trying to, to get his son to, to move on with his life and stop dwelling on these cursed numbers. And I just thought it was so nice that he says, give all the money away. I don't care. Just save enough money for us to fix this car together. And, you know, we'll go on a trip and... Hurley says, well, I have to go to Australia. And his dad says, you know what? You do what you got to do, but I will be here when you get back. No matter what, money or no money, I'm not going anywhere this time. I will be here. And I thought that was such a nice full circle story sort of moment where so many people have terrible fathers on Lost. And even like Michael, when he was trying to change, everybody's riding him for not, not knowing enough about Walt. But this, we actually got a character who is starting to try and make amends and do the right thing. And there isn't some sort of downside because when we thought he was there just for the money, we find out that's not his motivation at all. 
And I thought that was a really sweet, nice twist. And I thought Cheech was great in the episode. And having this Hurley story go on while the stuff on the island happens that's a lot of fun and uplifting was a really nice bounce back episode after last week's piece of crap. If you guys have been listening to the pod, and I assume you are, I have a humongous problem with parents who leave their children when they were really young. So it was really hard for me to accept that Hurley's father would come back in his life just because he understood that he's getting old now and he and he wanted a family, right? It was very hard for me to 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 get that fact around my head. That being said, to go off your point of that final conversation uh, between Hurley and his father, that was just wonderfully done. And to make Hurley finally understand that his father is going to stay this time and he's going to he's going to basically do everything that he wanted to do with Hurley, but uh, do it with him as an adult. I thought that was particularly well done. The one thing is that I didn't like Hurley's mom in this episode. There's something about that actress that I don't particularly like. Maybe it's the the, the Catholic Im- the Catholic imagery in this episode that's getting under my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, Hurley finding the Dharma van in the woods uh, in this episode was just glorious, and you know, and them and them having to turn the van over and then. Uh, throw basically throw it downhill to get it all started was just great. Yeah, I love, I love that story. And jumping off your point about Hurley's mom, uh, I my one of my favorite parts of this episode though is where she plugs the ears of the golden statue of Jesus and basically says that she wants to get railed. And uh, I thought that was uh, quite funny playing off of her Catholicness. Uh, but the the on-island stuff with the van, the Dharma van, finding Roger and Hurley determined to get this van driving again. Finding a way to take this hunk of garbage and turn it into something useful. And I love the camaraderie of him, Charlie, Sawyer, and Jin as they're doing this together. Just a bunch of guys hanging out, drinking beer even beer that's 30 years old and Jin is starting to learn more English and they're really hammering that home so that hopefully soon Daniel day Kim will be able to actually, you know, interact with a lot more characters. But I just love that. It's such a simple thing, but it's important to Hurley. It becomes this quest and that moment when they do start the van and they roll it down the hill and it comes on and it starts, it starts working and the, the radio cranks on, um, which is the song, uh, Shambhala by three dog night. And I just love that that moment is so triumphant with him and Charlie in the van. And I love when Charlie gets in the van and says like, dude, if we're doing this, I'm with you. And you know, if I'm going to die anyway, then like, let's friggin' go for it. So I just love that. And then the closing moments of the episode, they carry over that three dog night song into, uh, the orchestral version as we close out, as everybody is sort of winding down their day. And I thought that was just 
one of those really great choices where we have this rollicking moment. And then as everything slows down and we start to sort of shift gears, we still carry over that song, but it's the orchestral version and everybody is just kind of relaxing and peaceful before we switch to Kate and Locke and Saeed in that final scene where she meets up with Russo and says, I know where your fricking daughter is. Let's go. Uh, so I just love that that basically they put a nice bow on the episode before giving us that last minute action beat to set up where we're going from here. So I thought this episode overall really just a fun, fun hang with a great backstory for Hurley. When Hurley's chicken joint got, got hit by a meteorite, I was like, I was like horny laughing. I, I love that particular moment. And the reporter, uh, Trisha, 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 Tana- Trisha Tanaka gets killed. Oh my God. Yeah. But the, the thing is, I'm like, is, is she that like, like did family, did the family guy steal her name? Because I, I, I can't remember if I heard that name in family guy or lost. I keep thinking maybe, maybe family guy took the, the character's name and they just moved it over. I think. I think I, you know what? I'm I'm not sure who came first, but it's definitely, definitely very similar. Um, Cause I even thought like, yeah, I think family guy has a character similar to that uh, when they did it. So I don't know. Yeah. I think this episode was a nice, you know, like I said, a, a calm, soothing end. And then they kick off the action beats where Kate is, is bringing the team to go get Jack and go get Alex. And I loved that. So a mixed bag this week, two fantastic and one not as good episode. If you are watching along with us next week, we will be talking about episodes 11, 12 and 13 of season three of lost. So give those a watch because that's what we'll be chatting about next week. If you want to reach out to us or have any questions or comments about the show, you can tweet on Twitter with hashtag radio eight one five. You can direct message us on Twitter at JJUniverse815. You can hit me up on Twitter at Matt Crandall. And Marcelo, Twitter is the best spot for people to reach you. What's your handle on there? I'm at CreekFanatic88. All right. So thanks very much for listening. We appreciate it. We hope you're having fun with Lost like we are. It's a great time. We will see you all next week. Until then, Radio 815 over and out.